have landed on the Business Conservatory Podcast. This is a transparency-driven podcast helping you understand your unlimited earning potential. If you are ready to crush it with your business, let's go. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Today's episode has been one that I have been so excited, more than usual, I would say, to record because this guest is someone that not only is an artist and creative that I look up to immensely, but she is someone that you guys are instantly going to fall in love with. Christina Paul, thank you so much for being here, and thank you for letting us talk to you on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Of course, of course. Well, I want to make sure that everyone gets a clear idea of who you are, what you do. So really quick, just walk us through a little bit about who you are, what you do, and we can kind of dive right in. Okay. So as you said, I'm Christina Hall. I'm the owner of Super Lunar Design Co. And I like to say I help brands with their online presence, but it's, you know, more in, more in tuned. It's branding, brand strategy, and web design that I do. So I help with online presence in that manner. Wonderful. And so is it a stretch to say that you do graphic design, but it really takes it outside of that realm of graphic design where you kind of find that perfect between strategy and graphic design and really help people have make the most of their online presence by utilizing your design know-how and skill sets. Yeah, I really would call it informed design because it's not just me doing what I think looks best or me copying, you know, current trends or the way things go or or really popular brands. It's informed not only by strategy, but by my experience in user experience design and in large e-commerce brands that I worked in my corporate career. Just informed, I think is the best way to describe it. Absolutely. But at the heart of it all, what you're really bringing to the table is your design. So there is a huge aspect of artistry. So in addition to the strategy, I mean, you really started this being a creative person. Mm -hmm. Walk me through being this artist that has a creative vision and how you kind of got to this place. So I really did start very creatively. I I actually wasn't even that into branding when I first started wanting to freelance and work for myself and even just work outside my corporate career, bringing in extra more exciting stuff than doing the same thing over and over again, like you do as an in-house designer. So yeah, I, I actually didn't even like branding. I thought it was just too much effort for the amount that I was charging at the time, which probably had something to do with it. But I really was just a creative wanting to design things that I thought looked really cool when you boil it down. And I've always had an interest and affinity to web design ever since I was very young. So that kind of played a part as well. But it was tough in the beginning, just wanting to have someone to actually ask me to create things that I was interested in creating. And a lot of it, as I'm sure a lot of other graphic designers would relate to, it ended up being stuff I didn't really love that much or wasn't like, look at this brochure. I just, (laughs) I don't know how many people really love putting that in their portfolio. So that's where I began kind of was just like whatever graphic design work someone would give me, I would do. And that seems to stem from where like a lot of people start, which is just this kind of juxtaposition of like knowing that you have this talent and this skill set and this affinity to create beautiful things Mm -hmm. out of nothing. And then you kind of start from this angle of, well, you know, I want to do more of it. And the easiest place to start would be whatever is closest to me. And so walk me through what 
that felt like to be taking on those kind of jobs and what that did for you or didn't do for you as a creative? It was exciting. I think something a lot of freelancers in general, but especially creative freelancers, because there's that aspect of you like what I've created and it's like validating personally as well. But part of you, and I've said this so many other times, but you just want to be picked and you're just so happy and excited that someone picked you and is is willing to entrust whatever project they have, whether it's like a social media post or a brochure or something, even if it's something boring. So there's a lot of excitement there. And then there's fear that you're going to screw it up or you're not going to do something that they like. But especially if it's one of those projects, like I mentioned, where it's not necessarily like the most fulfilling thing, like some cool packaging design or designing a beer can or whatever, <laughs> like whatever lots of people think is really fun to do. It's kind of almost boring after you get to it, because especially with the type of people I think most people are attracting with stuff like that, it's boring stuff. And especially if it's a corporate job, just trying to reach out to someone random because they don't want to hire someone to do it. It's mostly really boring stuff. And so I think that's something a lot of designers fresh out of college know they want to go be an in-house designer. I think you get met with really quickly the brand guidelines, which is funny because I create those now, but you get kind of siloed by them. And there's not a lot you can do to really be that creative. So it's a juxtaposition. It's it's excite, excitement that you've been chosen. It's really just like personally validating. And then it can also be kind of boring if it's not a project that you're super inspired by. Right. Did you eventually reach a point where being able to create something that didn't fall within other people's brand, brand guidelines, was that something that you were eventually striving towards? Or were you looking to take on projects that kind of had that same like vain, but like the project itself was more elevated. Yeah. And it's something that a lot of you're sort of encouraged to do as a graphic designer is to do passion projects, which is basically just designing fake things for fake brands that you would like to do. And the thought behind that is that, you know, let's say I designed something for a beer can is like maybe some beer company, new craft beer company is going to see it and just die over it and want to hire me. So The thought is that if you put work out there that you'd like to eventually do, that someone will hopefully stumble upon that work and ask you to do something similar. Yeah. Flash forward to now, your reality is extremely different. Oh, so different. (laughs) So different. And it's, it's, it's been really inspiring because I've been one of the people that have had the privileges of kind of seeing this evolution from being someone that took on jobs that were fulfilling, but maybe not exactly end game for you Mm -hmm. to now being someone that is one of the prominent voices in the design space, being able to help other people craft their brand identities for them. And one of the things that I would say is unique to you that I don't see is that you have a visibility unlike anyone that I've seen. I mean, maybe with the exception of Becca Luna or like someone who like maybe just was lucky enough to get in on TikTok early and get that kind of instant visibility. You're someone who in the current reality now with algorithm changes and like visibility being something that most people have a really hard time with, you've cracked the code of essentially finding that perfect balance between someone who creates and creates beautiful things for other people And also finds a way to consistently get seen. So walk me through what it was like for you when you were, for the first time, 
obtained insane visibility for what you've posted on social media? So the first time I obtained insane visibility was actually really unexpected. And I was posting almost a story time just because it was a funny anecdote for my real life about how I got into web design. And that I've actually hidden it now because I felt like it was attracting the wrong people, like not in a bad way, just not like my target audience. So it was a marketing move, a strategy move. But I was actually talking about how I accidentally at like 12 years old, 11, 12 years old and created a phishing scam on that was so funny. A kid's game website. Yeah. And it was crazy, not only because a lot of people resonated with that. <laughs> and they were like, I did this too. But it was cool because it was the first time I saw people comment like, I don't even have a website, but it, you it's making me want to hire you for a website. And it was kind of like a realization that if I'm just really myself and show like an uncatered version of myself to people that they're going to really connect with it and value that authenticity. And I think that's where I sort of shifted how I was posting things. And it really cleared away. I think we all get nervous when we first start a new social media platform of being perfect. And I think that cleared away any fear that I needed to be perfect and that it solidified that I just needed to be myself. And that was really cool. I have to ask because there are so many people that are going to be listening to this and they could barely even hear the rest of what you're saying because they heard phishing scam. And (laughs) what is this? So like for everyone who didn't have the opportunity to get on the ground floor of that, like what was that story? Because everyone needs to hear how good this is. I will give the short and sweet version. So my dad was an engineer. He was a software developer and he knew how to build computers. So when I was like 12, which I can't do the math of what year that, I think it was 2004, people had computers then, but we had three computers because my dad could build them for cheaper than you could buy them. And so he like, we didn't have a dining room. We had a computer room (laughs) and and we all like my sister, myself and my dad would all like sit on the computer. We would play like Barbie's dream house games or the Sims or online games like Neopets, which was my personal favorite. And there was all kinds of talk, you know, don't, don't log into a page that doesn't have the Neopets, you know, hyperlink, you know, things that we know about now, but that was still pretty early ages for the internet. And so I saw it as like something confined within the game. It was bad within the game, but I didn't (laughs) realize it was bad like actually on earth, (laughs) like genuinely illegal. And so, which who knows when internet laws came out, if it actually was, but it was, I was like, oh, you know, if someone's smart enough, they could create a fake page that looks like the login page. Someone would give them their info and it would send it to them. And I was like, I could figure this out. No problem. Because I've coded my Neopets, you know, guild page and my MySpace background before. So I can figure this out. So I spent like an entire weekend at my dad's building this fake page. (laughs) And the way it worked is like you had a shop and you could put a fake little icon of an item because it's like a little economy game. Yeah. You could purchase the item and then it would like default to my fake login page, which I just masked the existing page. And I was like, figuring out how to send that information to myself and then send them right back to the shop page. And I was going to steal their Neo points. And (laughs) 
I was so proud of myself and thought my dad would be so proud of me because he's, you know, the resident nerd. And you're like, yeah, the nerd patriarch and the family. And so I was like, dad, look what I did. Here's how it's going to work. And I'm going to win this game. I'm going to be a millionaire on this game. And he was like, do not like delete that now. And it, it never got published. I didn't ever actually scam anyone, but like, thank God my dad caught me. But I mean, that was like the beginning of me really getting in and like coding something that I was like, oh, this is going to, and like, I've told you before I'm competitive. So like, this was all about winning, whatever, whatever it takes to win. And so I think that was like really fulfilling for me to build something like that. And my dad was like, had to have been conflicted, proud, and then like terrified of like what kind of person I was going to grow up to be. But (laughs) that's essentially how it started. And you know, he encouraged me and got me like HTML handbooks for Christmas. Like when everyone else was asking for an MP3 player, this was before iPods, but like MP3 player, I wanted an HTML and CSS handbook with like all of the hex codes of colors and stuff. So like I could do stuff like that. So, I mean, I was, whether I knew it or not, I was like married to this game (laughs) from the get. (laughs) What brought you to the point of like wanting to share that? Like, cause here, everyone else is just posting the same stuff, just business related. What connected you to that in the first place? It's like a running joke in my family. Like it'll be brought up at Thanksgiving. Like remember that time, like Christina tried to hack Neopets and it was just really funny. And it's just, you know, even my family will be like, yeah, like it's no wonder you do what you do now. So I always try to tell people to like create a relatable brand story, if you will, or several brand stories. And I thought, you know, this is just such a wild story that's hilarious and very millennial. <laughs> and it's true. I was like, why don't I just share this? But then at the end, I had like a marketing goal to tie it back to why I'm a great web designer because I've been impassioned by this forever. And there are people out there who took a six week design course, maybe, and then are kind of like telling people, like, yeah, I can do a great job. And maybe they can. But I'm like, no, like I have been in this for so long. I've been learning about this for so long. I'm genuinely impassioned by this. And I think that's what creates the best work is when someone's so passionate about what they're doing for you. So that was kind of the idea. It was a long video because <laughs> it was a long story. I watched every second of that video. It was so funny. It was actually really funny how many other people were like, wait, I did this too. Like, what the heck? We're just a generation of scammers. <laughs> we really were. <laughs> Oh my gosh. The thing that I really obtained from that is you took something that was completely unrelated, Mm -hmm. which in a lot of ways, when you think about the origin of a brand story in its entirety, it's hard for us to naturally make the connection of it being connected to something from our childhood or something like from when we were younger, which kind of leads me into something that I'm noticing is that it is really hard for people to create a brand story for themselves and be able to connect the dots. And so if you're talking to someone and wanting to help them obtain a brand story for themselves and be able to kind of pull from those past experiences, what advice would you give to someone that is looking to create something similar for themselves? It's And honestly, it was tough for me to find mine, but I I credit that to me just being too close (laughs) to my own, my own self to look at it. But I've helped tons of people. And it's really funny because I'll do this on like my brand intensives. I'll be asking them, how have you felt about what you're selling? Or why did you choose this? And they'll almost 
tell it, tell me their brand story without realizing it's even, it could be a brand story. So I have a really great example of this makeup artist and she sells a masterclass on how to do a really popular makeup look right now that like all brides are asking for really viable products and really something that I like could do really well. And she wasn't, you know, getting the sales she really wanted on it, but she knew it was something people wanted to learn. And I was like, so what even made you do this? Like, were people asking for it? Did you notice a lot of people saying this? And she goes, honestly, I noticed myself gaslighting my clients, telling them that they don't want like a soft and natural look because I didn't know how to do it. And it very much came from a place of like, I don't want to admit that I don't know how to do this. So I'm going to tell you, you don't actually want that. And I'm in a cake. And the story she told me where she was like, I was like, realized I was doing this. And then I said, you know, no, there's got to be a way. So she learned it and realized that she could teach it. And I was like, that's your brand story. Like, what are you like the, what you just told me is a stellar brand story, if not just a product brand story. And I was like, tell that story instantly right now. <laughs> and I said, cause yeah. every other makeup artist is going to resonate with that. Cause we all have feelings of like, I think, especially in like a freelance capacity where you kind of try to cover your ass by saying like, okay, I don't know how to do this, but I'm just going to tell them that that's not really what they want. And to just kind of like fix things. And I was like, do you know how many makeup artists are going to resonate with that? And she actually told that story on a reel and made a sale within five minutes of it posting and brought oh in, a, yeah, brought in almost a thousand dollars after like a couple weeks of it posting. So I was just like, it was a really validating moment for her, not just for her, but for me to be like, wow, like what I tell people that brand stories can bring people in really does work like on a tangible metric side. So that was really cool, but it's, it's funny. And it's something I tell almost all of my clients, like you have your brand strategy and your brand story, like within you, you just don't realize it yet. And people haven't asked you the right questions to pull out the right parts of it. And it hasn't been laid down in an organized manner for you yet. So I don't know if that answers the question of like how to get a brand story, but it's it's in there. It's just a matter of finding it and realizing. And I think it's the best when it really ties back to something your customer could relate to. Which is, you know, another reason why I, like working with someone like you can just be an absolute game changer. Because on the one hand, we're all people that know. And like if we we're to, like you said, if we were to tell someone like this is why I do what I do it kind of almost rolls off the tongue, but being able to like mentally connect to the dots like that, it seems like an advanced thing, but like everyone can do it. Mm -hmm. And so for you, obviously, like there's so many questions that can be asked, but give me one example of like a question that you've found as you're walking through someone through creating their brand story. Like what's an example of a question that you ask that helps people come to that realization? It's funny because it's tough for them to answer this, but I will force them to tell me why they've started the business for every purpose other than to make money or because they wanted to work for themselves or to own their own time, like the self-serving reasons. And so even if that's the reason they started their own business, it's why, why did they choose what they do for their business? I've only had one person say, because I knew I'd make a lot of money. There's really no reason. <laughs> that was an outlier. And he was like, I literally cannot think of a, like a flowery reason. I was like, give me something, please. But most people, it's from a personal experience and they want to help people who are like them or help people like someone they're close to. Like I had a photographer friend who 
had a sister who hated being photographed. And so when she photographed her sister, her sister was like, you're the only person who made me feel this comfortable. And as you know, like that is the biggest part of being a photographer is making that person feel comfortable with you and at ease in whatever specific manners that they need in order to generate a comfortable experience. And so that was her brand story was like the way her sister hates being behind a camera and the way she wants to carry out that same manner of care to all of her clients. So it's something I can like, when I hear someone talking, I notice the moment, like within three words, I'm like, this is the brand story. And I, my brain, like I say, my brain buzzes when they talk about it because I can like see the strategy, like laying itself out as they talk about their business. So long-winded answer, but, but why did you start your business? Like other than to make money. <laughs> I love that. And you know, it's so it's so simple to have that question just be asked, but like the the process of exploring what that question is and really extracting it is. One thing that I've realized is that oftentimes we expect ourselves to come back with a very concise answer, but it ends yeah. up being a very fluid thing where it maybe almost is multi-layer. Like for example, you know, for you, that story of like the phishing scam is just one piece of the bigger puzzle of how expansive this was for you. And so one thing that I'm kind of gleaning from this conversation is that if if you as the listener are listening to this and, and trying to cultivate a brand story for yourself, don't expect yourself to have one clear, concise sentence or like story that you will have. And that's the one brand story. It seems like there are many pieces that will comprise of your brand story. And so it reminds me of a time where I got on a strategy call with someone and they came to me and they were they were just saying, you know, my brand story is super long-winded, right? It, it started from like when I was a kid and I was feeling this and this and this. And then, you know, as I got older, it was this and this and this and this. And it was just like this long-winded thing. And they're like, how do I fit that like into a video? So I'm going to bring that question right back to you because I know the answer that I gave, but I'm interested to see if your thoughts are similar. So for the people that you know have kind of that longer-witted answer, what would you recommend for them in either dissecting or compartmentalizing that brand story and making it digestible on social media? Obviously, like aside from in a writing manner, just making it more concise because I think that can be done, but I would like break it into chunks and use different brand stories for different audiences, different applications, because that brand story I told about being a hacker just talks about how passionate I am and why you should choose someone who's passionate. But I have a completely other, more relatable brand story for my target audience where I had very negative corporate experiences and I realized they weren't reliable in terms of being financially reliable. Having that safety that we expect comes from Mm -hmm. having a corporate job. And I wanted not only to work for myself, but I didn't want to be one of those like paycheck to paycheck. I hope I can scrounge up enough clients, people like I want there to be a way where you know what to do to bring in clients, to speak to them, to understand, et cetera. And so that's what I think having a strong brand and a strong online presence is what makes you, gives you even more of a chance of lasting as someone who works for yourself and never have to like having to go back to that corporate world. So that's an entire different story. So I think you can chunk it out to where it applies. There's no reason why you need just one concise brand story. And if you do need one, that's your brand purpose. Or, you know, I would say that that's how where you can break it down to be a concise sentence or two 
where it's your brand purpose or a description of your brand values and why they're your values, et cetera. So I think I would just say like, don't worry about having one brand story. It almost kind of ties into like a separate side topic that I was thinking as you were saying, which is just like the fact that your brand story has so many different compartmentalized layers that can really speak to different people almost like reinforces what I've come to know within the last few years, which is why it's important to not just be a niche. Because if you were to just niche, you would really only be able to truly applicably apply one aspect of your story to Mm -hmm. speak to one particular type of person. But we all know we're expansive and we all know that there are so many reasons. Like if someone were to ask you your why, right? Like that's like the hardest question. Anytime someone asks me that, I'm just like, what the heck? Like, like, yeah, I know it like to a degree, but that only compartment, you know, that's only really one part of the story and like every aspect of me and giving myself the permission to talk about other aspects of my story was a whole other side quest as you probably felt too because like in some ways probably within the last 10 years we've been told that nation's the only way to make it and you're a complete proof that you can speak to so many different people while still honing true on your offerings and what you bring to the table and so what have you learned in terms of speaking to different audiences and how has that contributed to your business's success it's funny because I was on another podcast speaking to someone and and she kind of framed it perfectly, but like it's a personality niche. So instead of niching into an industry, I'm sort of inadvertently or and now purposely niching to a set of people who either have a similar personality to me or need my personality for whatever they're trying to get from me branding, brand strategy, website, whatever. Because there are two types of people I tend to attract and it's very soft-spoken people who, which I used to be soft-spoken when I was very young and people were very docile with me and it would frustrate me because I felt like they wouldn't just be, basically be real with me. (laughs) And same, I won't do that to them. I will, like, I'm always going to be straightforward, honest, and tell them what I think they need to hear that is like going to help move the needle for their business because it's what they need to hear. And people who don't like the way I deliver that information, one, let me know on the internet, but also like don't come to me. (laughs) And I think that's perfect because it's filtering or niching out the people who would not be a fit. And basically they're not a fit if I don't like them. (laughs) So I think that's like my niche, honestly. And it's, I've not had, I've had people reach out to me in the same industry, but I've not had a single client in the last three months that was in the same industry. And it's so cool to see the different business ideas and the different things that people are coming up with. And yet the common thread is that they're either all like straight shooters like me, or they're people who appreciate straight shooters like me. So that's what I would say is like, choosing because I we all have different like facets to our personality choosing the version of me that's the most direct the most straightforward and a little agitational is like what's bringing the coolest people to me in my opinion and although I could like I have a softer side of me and I could put out that softer side but it would require a very patient side of me, which I don't have a large percentage of. (laughs) I always tell people, you know, like it's not being a character. Although if you feel like you can do that well, do it. 
but it's choosing the version of you that's going to attract the most people that are going to be fulfilling to work with because that's how you have like longevity in your business. That's super, super, super interesting. And you just summarized something that I have been trying to articulate so much for the last year, but you did a way better job than me in every aspect. Many artists specifically and creatives will think that the the thing that gets you hired is your style or your creative vision. And there was a period of time a number of years ago, maybe like when Instagram started, where like all you had to do was simply post an image and that was enough to mm-hmm. be completely seen and understood and like have someone like for example many of the audience members are photographers who are like used to you know early days of Instagram where you'd post an image and then you'd be flown out to Hawaii to photograph yeah. like a wedding or something which <laughs> yeah. is it's and it's so interesting to see the people that relied on that really feeling like they're suffering now and understanding their identity because here they were basing their entire brand off of the way that they approached art versus who they were. And I think that my advice to people that are listening to this that are feeling that frustration is you might be frustrated that marketing yourself isn't the same as how it used to be, but I can promise you everything that Christine is saying is not only true, but is going to make your life so much better because wouldn't you so much rather have people that both appreciate your art and who you are versus hire you blindly just because you are talented, but maybe kind of be rude to you or maybe not communicate in a way that you appreciate being communicated with. And so for all of the people that are kind of like, well, it it felt so much easier to market back then. In some ways, this is way (laughs) easier. It's it's better. You're you're much more likely to be understood and appreciated and feel seen as a creative. And that is ultimately what so many of us are looking for. We don't want to just do work just because, you know, to do work sake, you want to have people that are just like, not only do I find you talented, but like, you're also like my person. I mm-hmm. love the way you speak to me. And I resonate so much with the way that you talk to people because I know for me, I felt very similarly, which the fact was I never really, especially in the Pacific Northwest, I never felt like people were always honest with me. Like I felt like there was a little bit of a passive aggressive, maybe withholding in communication. And so the aspect of like having someone be direct, I always put my money towards people like that because I'm like, I know exactly what I'm going to get. I can trust that person. And so walk me through someone who maybe knows that they need to be more themselves, but just is unconvinced that being themselves is the way to move the needle forward and get the visibility that they want. I, I, so many things came up as you were talking, but it's something that, what was it a couple years ago? So like, I'm going to call it the rise of Gen Z, which is basically like when Gen Z started being old enough that large brands were really trying to market to them is when we saw an obvious shift in the way that marketing had to be performed mm-hmm. in order to work. And it was because it was it was not just due to Gen Z, but it was because people were sick of the way where it was like product, here's product, here's a product, here's a product, here's a service, here's a service. And people now, especially with the internet being omnipresent, so many people are getting taken advantage of. There's so many scams. I can't tell you how many fake Amazon, your account locked emails I've gotten just this morning <laughs> and, and they're not real. And so, so many people are, are distrusting 
of what's out there, especially on the internet, which is most everyone's main or most surefire form of marketing. So that's a problem. But what happened from that is people are craving personality, relatability, authenticity. And so it almost, to me, I'm like, thank God it works that way because there's so much less effort going towards trying to be this like corporate idea of what professional looks like, which is by all accounts, fake, like everyone's faking it. No one's really like a corporate professional and they're in their downtime. And so basically like being fake versus being authentic, so much less energy goes towards being authentic because it's natural to you. And people are craving that authenticity because it's not fake. So even though it's different than the way marketing has been, it's almost like you said earlier, easier because you don't have to try that hard to just be yourself. The only thing that's holding you back is the fear that you're not going to be accepted as yourself. And this like ingrained thought that we have to be corporate professional in order to be taken seriously, which I've tried that. And it was like, oh, cool. Like another person trying to look perfect on the internet, not giving her the time of day. So you're kind of muddling everything and help like receding yourself to everyone else doing the same thing. So even if that version of you that you want to put out there is super soft-spoken, it's still not like corporate professional. You can be a soft-spoken voice and still reach other soft-spoken people. Or maybe I would, depending on what you do, I would love someone who's not barking at me like I bark at myself. (laughs) So it's just like, it works so much better. I've seen it not only with myself, but with my clients when they stop trying to be this perfect cookie cutter corporate professional version of themselves when they're not even in a corporate space, right? they're working for themselves. They're like, wow, when I was myself this one time, so many people reached out to me or I got so many followers or I got so many views. And it's, it's like the one time you actually show up as yourself, you, you usually see it immediately. And to me, it was a no brainer because it was more effective and easier. My favorite thing about talking to you, aside from just the fact that I love you so much, is that (laughs) like any one thing that you say is just like 8,000 ideas. Everyone is worth worth exploring and diving into. There are so many things that I want to ask. I mean, how much time do you have today? We have all so much. I mean, so something though that it plays into that I want to talk about is you said like the letting it work speak for yourself part has is the way that things were done. And I would argue now that it's almost like not done like that at all now, unless you have a really, really large platform where you have the amount of eyes that you can just post an artwork and and people are going to reach out for it. But I, for the most part, don't post process videos, finished work. I've tried that. It didn't do anything. It attracted other graphic designers who don't give me money. (laughs) They don't pay my bills. And it got to a point too, where the content out there, like people showing time lapses of them recording is so exhausting to film. I could spend anywhere from eight to 20 hours on a complete brand concept. And if you wanted a process video of me starting that and finishing it, and then I have to edit all of that time and also have the memory, the memory on my phone to record all of that, it's too much. And so I was always repelled by the effort that that would take. So I just didn't post up. And that's what kept me from posting in general for a long time because I thought it's what I had to do. And when I shifted to mostly talking about 
here's an example of this that I don't think is successful. Here's what I would do instead, or here's what you should do instead. Speaking more about strategy and letting the creative side happen when people are exploring. You can go see my client work on my website if you're interested, but for the most part, you won't see my completed projects anywhere on my social media. That's fascinating. Mostly just because I'm lazy, like I said, but it's again, it speaks to like that personality attraction marketing. You know, I'm in the vein that if you're interested, you'll go look for it or you'll ask for it. And if you're not, then it's fine. But I've again, tried letting my work speak for myself where you didn't see my face at all on my Instagram and it was all artworks and it was six likes and three of them were from my close friends. So right. It just didn't work. And I would say now your work, of course, is important because you, a person should enjoy the work that you make and want something, I wouldn't even say similar, but want, want that caliber applied to their design work. But I think if you're a strong enough designer, you have multiple facets and most multiple lanes of your style. I could never be one of the designers who just has one style. And I've seen designers and I won't name names because there's nothing wrong with it, but like their whole feed, all of the brands that they create look exactly like it looks like it could be a sub brand of their brand, same colors, same typefaces, same style. And it's just like, that would be so boring to me. And so I love exploring different styles and doing, I'm doing two very minimalistic brands. And then I just spoke to someone yesterday who wants like a super young, hip, maximalist brand. And I'm super excited to jump into those different things. And I think that's another thing that keeps me inspired is not doing the same thing over and over. So I just kind of went off on a tangent, but but I, I just, to round back, I don't think solely letting your work speak for yourself is the vibe anymore. And I've had people tell me basically to shut up on the internet and to let my work speak for myself. And worse than that. Yeah. And <laughs> I've got a lot of hate on the internet, but Yeah. I mean, and it it doesn't work. It's not, there's no metrics to support it. You know, it's so fascinating because I had someone come into me in my DMs and they were more or less coming at me sideways because they were just like, well, Ellie, like, why should I listen to you when the hero of my industry has like 200,000 followers and she's doing it this way and I like what she shows better? Wouldn't I be better served if I did what they did and I was able to replicate the results? But you said something that really just rang so true. It seems like nowadays the only people that are really able to let, quote unquote, like you said, like their work speak for itself are the people that were privileged enough with the visibility and the audience right from the get go. Mm -hmm. And so my answer to that question was that does work for that person. I have no doubt that that was sincere and genuine, but my counter to you is when did that happen for them? When did that visibility happen for them? Was this something that they just now obtained? Because I don't find that to be the case at all with business owners who haven't gotten their verified check mark. They're not, you know, in the 10K and above category. They're in the mid to low thousands or upper hundreds in terms of followers. And here they are trying to replicate something that they're going to continue to be frustrated again and Mm -hmm. again and again with. And to your point, that may have been the case for a handful of very privileged few, but what's going to work for you and what's going to get you to where you need to be really is going to come down to what type of person you are and how willing are you to show you or show that online. And so you've experienced what I believe to be most people's 
biggest hesitation and biggest reservation in doing that, which is the hate. And you've experienced that to a very immense degree. And so for the people that are wanting to take your advice that are like, I believe you, Christina, that seems to be the way for me, but I'm crippled Mm -hmm. with the idea of getting hate. Walk through what that felt like for you and how did you get to the other side of it? Yeah. So first and foremost, I was a middle child of five. And I had three other sisters and a gay brother. So like uh, the relentless pouncing on me as a human being as I grew up was just (laughs) relatable (laughs) there always. And so I had to get thick skin in that degree from the people I was closest with (laughs) who were tearing me down day to day as siblings do. But one thing is like, I worked a lot on self-awareness. I was in therapy. I I really worked on self-awareness because I was in therapy for anxiety and the only way for me to overcome that was be to, to be hyper self-aware of like how one particular thing someone said made me feel. Did I sleep six plus hours last night? How do I feel about that? Which is like the most minute shifts in the way you feel I had to be hyper aware of. So like now I like to think I'm extremely self-aware and I let that guide like almost everything I do. And so something that came with that is would I ever post the shitty things people are saying to me to a stranger I saw on the internet. And even if, cause like, we're all a little catty in our heads. Like if I saw someone post something and I was like, girl, like that ain't it. Or this looks like garbage or you sound like a bitch. If I thought those things, like we all think in our heads, I still would never post it in a public forum because I'm just not an asshole And I'm not miserable and I don't need that to feel good about myself. And so when I say that about myself, it gives me a very clear indicator like these people are miserable. I've said something that triggered something in them that they cannot grapple with and they need to retaliate to feel good about themselves. And something that actually used to happen to me a lot is I would get in Facebook fights all the time when someone posted (laughs) some misinformation thing. and. And like, it would leave me boiling for like hours thinking about what they said and like how good it felt to get back to them. And, and it was because whatever they said just like triggered something in me and I wasn't allowing myself to just feel that and then detach. And like, I know now that those people are sitting there letting me live rent-free in their head for probably hours, if not days when they comment those things. And it's kind of like, thanks for the energy at that point. (laughs) And so (laughs) when you see, like, it's something that I literally, literally had to see because it does feel bad when people bash you for no reason. There's, there's nothing's going to happen, especially the first time that happens to you to make it feel better. But you have to remind yourself, everyone has an opinion on something, right? Some people are going to agree with you. Some people aren't bottom line. You're not a miserable person and these people are, and that's not your responsibility has nothing to do with you and to let it go and let them go be fuming. And then I forget the last one. Oh, the metric that you see. So the first time I had one of my design videos go viral, I had massive, or no, that's not even true. I had one where I was just calling out Canva logos that are highly overused. Those are amazing. Those videos are insanely good. People got extremely triggered by it. And some people like other designers or people who just saw what I was saying were like, yes, facts. But a lot of people in the comments were extremely triggered. Were like bashing my voice, which I get a lot, which I'm like, how are you going to bash someone for something they cannot control? My voice. voice. (laughs) (laughs) 
bashing my voice, someone got on my website and said, you look tired in your photos as if that was something that had anything to do with what I was saying. And I was like, you really are just trying to find something. So like the desperate attempts to find something to say to me just to get me to feel bad is very telling about what their current reality is and what type of people they are. And she gives me more of permission to not care. But you'll get 50 comments of people bashing your stuff. And that's what other people who hate your stuff will see and say, like, can't you see all of these bad comments? And doesn't that make you think that you shouldn't market this way? But then I grow 5,000 followers in like a few days and have 20 inquiries to work with me, which is worth thousands and thousands of dollars. And so even if 50 hate comments is a lot, but like 15, 20, 50 hate comments versus thousands of dollars and tons of growth. I'll take the pales, money. <laughs> pales in comparison. So when you, and then they're boosting your stuff, their engagement to hate on you is literally like a cheerleader hoist, like getting you even higher. And it's just like, literally, thanks for the energy. Thanks for the interaction. Thanks for the engagement. I will take it and laugh all the way to the bank. So that's my outlook. And like, I encourage people to just try it and you can delete comments. You can block people. You can filter comments on TikTok. I block people every day on my TikTok just because they're being assholes in my comments. I'm like, I don't accept this energy on my page. It's my page. It's literally mine. I have full control over it. You don't get to be here. And that's really powerful feeling as well. I just got goosebumps because I can literally feel the breakthrough that everyone's having as they're listening to it because it's just like that that permission to release what was essentially keeping you from being willing to be yourself in the first place is the ultimate power move to making the type of money you want to make. And so walk us through the before and after financially of what happened for you once you embraced that. And as you guys are listening to Christina, I want you to visualize what this could look like for you. So tell us a little bit about what your income was like before you leaned into yourself versus after. So before I leaned into myself, I had a few consistent clients. And I would say my like taking my business seriously, like I'm really going to take it seriously. I want to, you know, quit my job started in January of this year. And so that was when I really like dove all in. So before I would call myself more of a freelancer side gigger. And so I had three clients. One, you know, about was like a consistent client. I was getting 2000 bucks a month, which is really awesome supplementing my like corporate income. But she was an awful person <laughs> and she was horrible to work with. But I was afraid to get rid of her because of that. That was like a third of my monthly income that I was then getting in addition from to my corporate job. So I, I didn't want to let go of it. And I was struggling to get more than the odd website project. You know, I probably got three projects in the year of 2022, which isn't much at all. So that's what that looked like. It was like, if I was getting big projects, it was very, very few and far between. And I had one ongoing client. I don't even like doing ongoing work. It's boring. <laughs> so when I really leaned into myself, I gained much more confidence that, and I saw it. So like I had validation, but like the cool people that I thought were cool were coming to ask me to work with them. And even if they weren't a fit, whatever it would be for pricing, timeline, whatever, they were cool people. And that was when I realized like when I was being a perfect little freelancer, I attracted this horrible, shitty long-term client who just wanted to treat me like another employee that they had ownership over. 
And when I was a confident, like myself person, I attracted really cool people who respected me and wanted to work with me and then were willing to pay me. And so I think something comes with that confidence again. Like, I don't want to make it sound like you have to be this like very forthcoming, straightforward person like myself to be confident. But when you have confidence, people don't question your prices. They don't question your process. They don't question really anything. They just want to catch a good vibe from you and your confidence sells them on that. And again, being yourself, you don't feel like you're faking anything or hiding anything. Something my grandma always said is like, if you always tell the truth, you'll never have to remember anything. And so it was like, yeah, not having to remember your lies, how exhausting that is. And so like, it's like, if you're just being authentic to yourself, it's so effortless. You have nothing floating back there in your brain that you have to like keep hold of. You don't have to do your customer service voice, all of that stuff. So the transformation was actually really huge because I had this phase of showing up authentically And I was growing gradually, I would say. And then it was really just one day that video hit and it was me being authentic and me telling a compelling story all at once that just really resonated with a lot of people. And again, like I told you earlier, like those were more people who were similar to me, like on the same vein as me, not really my target audience, but it gave me validation that like I was just sitting there, no makeup at the beginning, doing my makeup while I was telling a story. And it's on a whole other vein. I don't have to look cute. I don't don't have to police anything. I can tell a natural story and barely edit it and it can do well. And so I carry that into a lot of other things I did. And those design videos that are now like the reason that I credit like my huge social presence success recently is because I was, again, being very like sarcastic, a little playful caddy, <laughs> like yeah. straightforward while I'm designing, which I think is the per- was the perfect storm because people love watching process videos. But I think the real conversion there was me talking about pain points, solutions, et cetera, and then just being myself. And so now, and you're like the most humble person I know. So if you don't want to bring this up, that's totally fine. So I mean, effectively, you went from would it be a stretch to say like 3k a month? Oh, yeah. Oh, I don't care about this. I love pricing transparency. I was making around $2,000 a month, potentially 2500 a month in my business alone in June. And July, I hit my first double digits month. So I made $12,000 that month. That was such an exciting month. Oh, it was so exciting. I still though, August was where I was like, okay, I know what I'm doing. I can do this over and over and over again. And that was when it all changed for me, like the confidence in myself and like, I've got myself, I know what to do. Feelings were just amazing. But August, I haven't done the hard numbers, but I'm either just under or I hit 20K. And I think I'm like, I think I've already hit 20K this month as well. So what you're saying is just by being yourself, you took your earning potential from 2K months to 20K. I 10X'd it, yeah. 10X'd (laughs) it just by existing in a space of Mm self-acceptance and literally just rolling with the punches. And so for all of you that are, are sitting here thinking about like what's possible for you, really for Christina that's the reflection of a lot of your guys's current reality and what what you're wanting is not something that has to take years to cultivate it's something that can i mean that's a that's almost about as overnight as it gets 
while still being kind of like a progressive journey for you. And so in thinking about the how, when you first press the button on being yourself, what were the things that you were keeping in mind that were reminding you to keep it in yourself? So was that checking your tone and checking your intonation or like making more eye contact or how did that transform on a actual application level? It was definitely not checking my tone because my tone, (laughs) my tone by itself when I'm not trying. So that video where I'm like, I can tell your logo's made in Canva and like, here, I'm going to show you why. And I show like really common. I was actually, it's such a funny story, but I was my boyfriend's in the army. And so he gets up at like four o'clock in the morning and he was taking a nap or something, or he was home during the day. And I was still like, when you record around people, I feel like you're just like, don't listen to me. Don't hear me. I want to be alone. And so I was trying to be quiet because I'm a loud ass person. And so I was trying to be quiet and that made my tone very like monotone and it came across really bitchy. (laughs) And so and and that is like a lot of the hate came from, and I didn't even intend for it to be bitchy because I can see why it's like, I can tell your logo's made in Canva. Here's this girl having a really bitchy tone, calling everyone out. Like she's probably a terrible snobby person. And a lot of people called me snotty, snobby, pretentious, whatever, because of my tone. And that was where I was like, maybe the fact that I didn't check my tone is a good thing because people are outraged by me not sounding sing-songy or like a delicate flower or whatever. As for the rest of it, I think lots of people now, it's very common to like want to script out what you're going to talk about, or at least for me, because I tend to get long-winded because I'm so like, there's so many facets to everything I talk about on social media. So I script out not only to just have a good sales cadence in the background, but also just to like be concise and not have a 10 minute long video every time I post. So one thing I try to do though, is try for it to not sound scripted. So I'll, I'll sometimes record several times and, and that sounds exhausting, but it's literally just me talking most of the time. So if I sound too scripted or I forget my script, I'll just re-record. And by the time I've gotten it right, I've memorized it and it sounds really natural. So that's one thing I definitely do is I don't want to sound scripted. I don't want to sound perfect, which I think a lot of people want to sound perfect. And and like I, I tell people this all the time to scroll all the way back on my TikTok and you can see me sitting there <laughs> like legs crossed on a chair with my hands folded like do you struggle with bad branding? (laughs) And (laughs) it's awful. And I try very hard not to be that essentially. We're all just uh, out here trying our best trying to not be robots here. And, you know, (laughs) it's, it's interesting too, because one of the people that I talk to, who's a big on TikTok, Justin Schumann, who's very much Mm -hmm. into like, the performance aspect and like being able to show up as yourself authentically. It seems to me that the people that seem to have it easy have like weirdly some sort of like theater background. And I'm just like, well, it's easy for you. Cause like you're, you, yeah. <laughs> you're used to performing in that way. And there's nothing wrong with that. Right. Like there are people that are just naturally gifted at doing that. But I find that most of us are in this vein where like on, you know, on some level or another, like we sucked at one point, which is, yeah. like, you know, and, and I, I tell them the same thing. I'm like, look at my videos too. And I think even to a degree now, there's some like aspect of me that still like, even when I'm 
saying what I'm trying to say, like there's still an element of like unlearning that mm-hmm. is occurring and that is a hundred percent okay. And I yeah. love that I love that you gave yourself permission in that moment to even be potentially seen as as bitchy. And my advice to people that are sitting there thinking, well, I don't want to come off this way. I don't want to come off this way. I don't want to come off this way. No, come off that way. Please come off that way. Because the only reason you don't want to come off that way is because you don't want people to dislike you. And these are strangers on the internet. Do they truly, like, do they have anything to do with your day-to-day life? Are you ever going to interact with them if you don't, unless they keep trolling you, which, like, block them? And it's wild. And I, it's funny because... (laughs) I had not my proudest moment, but also sort of proud. Like when I was in college, right? You like talk to guys, try to get free drinks from them, maybe get their number or maybe not. And something that I like they would always do is like ask for my number and then buy me a drink. And so people were like, aren't you nervous about giving your number out to so many guys? I was like, no, I just block them afterwards. (laughs) Like I will never see them again. And I'm the part that I'm not proud of is like, those are human beings that I actually interacted with. But same concept is like, I'm never going to see these people again. What does it matter if I block them? What does it matter if I delete their comment, if I don't want to block them for whatever reason? Right. If they find you bitchy, how does that really affect your life? And I think that's, it's a, it's funny that you said like a lot of people who do well are theater kids. Cause I think it's not just like knowing how to tap into a character, like we would think, but it's getting over that somewhat public display of yourself the fear of putting yourself on public Mm, display so poignant because it's funny because like I did bodybuilding competitions in college and part of it front door yeah best thing I've heard all day (laughs) part of it was so we did physique style which like it won't mean anything to people who don't know but like physique style you do a routine and so what it is is like it's like a a stylized posing routine it's posing in style to take the words out of buzz lightyear's mouth but you have a song going along with it and so the scary part wasn't just going on stage and like flexing and being judged by people but the scary part was doing this performance this choreographed performance in front of uh, my peers, which I would argue was more almost embarrassing or nerve wracking than strangers. So it was strangers in my college and peers. And it was like a large group of people at my whole college, like attended this. And I remember, like, I don't remember being up there, but like one split second, like I blacked out through it during the whole thing. But the fact that I did it, I got over this huge fear of like just being, it was like it, and it didn't affect my life whatsoever afterwards. The fact that I displayed myself publicly for literally a minute and 30 seconds. Yeah. And that's what doing a TikTok is. And so I think if, and I think you can do that without having to done, having to have done an audition or a performance of any kind. It's truly just like doing it. And realizing you didn't die after and that it's totally fine. (laughs) It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And no one cares. And especially with the way TikTok works, anyone who comments negatively on your thing, like even if you don't block them or delete it, they're probably never going to see one of your videos again. It's just the way it works. There's billions of people on that app and it just doesn't matter. 
And once you realize that, and like, once you really let go and and you don't care what people say about you and that you have the power to just delete them out of your life, if they say something bad, it's so powerful. You really don't care about anything at that point. Nothing can touch you. And I'm the biggest proponent of not letting like your family's safety and security and financial like opportunities take a backseat to the thing that like a stranger would feel about you. And it, it leads me to, to the thought that, and you helped me connect the dots on this, like through this conversation was the aspect that like, even the people that you look at that, like, it feels so completely natural. And it's like, well, they don't know what it's like. It comes naturally to them. It's not that it comes naturally to them. It's, it's like there was a period in their life where they faced that earlier mm-hmm. and they've all, they're just more far along in their timeline of overcoming that because of what they've experienced early on in their life. Yeah. And so for you, it was, you know, of course you still carried some of that with you, but you also had experiences with bodybuilding that allowed you to practice in that. And it will not happen any other way than through practice. Even the person, and I had someone, I don't know how someone thought this of me. They're like, well, like I could never get as good as you. And I'm like, have you heard me? I literally sound like a robot. (laughs) Like, no, that is like a lie. But I was just like, I'm maybe like 20 videos ahead of you. Mm -hmm. If that. That's the thing. It's okay to have 20, 50 videos of you sounding like a robot. One day you're going to stop because it comes so naturally to you. One day you're going to realize you're not nervous. And that's something else you brought up. It's, it truly is. It's on a timeline front. Like you're going to have to overcome this. They just overcame it over here way back in the past. They already did exactly what you're going to do, probably no differently than you're going to have to do it. You just haven't done it yet. And another thing I would bring up to anyone listening who's like, I hear you, but I can't do it. My fear of what strangers with no face thought of me, like someone calling me a bitch or telling me I'm snotty. If I let that like have power over me and so I wouldn't post or I would post the way that I know isn't effective... It literally would have kept me from $20,000 months, $18,000, $38,000. Like, are you going to really allow someone to keep you from that just because they called you snotty or a bitch or whatever, or they think something of you that they don't even express? Like, are you going to let something like that keep you from that wealth? Like that would have been, that would have been a $20,000 cost. Yeah. And for those of you listening, would you be willing to let someone call you a bitch if that made you $20,000? Call me a bitch twice. Call me Every minute of the day. Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> that's Literally. <all> it <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a good trade-off in my opinion. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. not a whole lot of work. It's like on an emotional level, but like what if they were calling you like a flower or a leaf? Like it's just a word. Who cares? <laughs> Whatever you assign to it is what it means. Maybe bitch means like you're a goddess. I'm going to go in your comments and call you a leaf from now on. <laughs> like, honestly, like you could retake power of that. You can make that word mean anything you want it to be, or you can make it mean nothing. And they're literally saying nothing to you at that point. And you're, make, you're making money. So I would make people think about it that way. If you're still struggling or over the fright, like, are you going to let this one thing hold you back from like, most people listening have a dream or have already achieved the dream and want to go even further, like, are you going to let something as stupid as a comment or what your high school arch nemesis thinks and isn't even like, is just thinking in their bed at night about you? Like, 
it's again, thanks for the energy, like <laughs> living rent free in your head. This is great. How would I feel if my arch nemesis kept thinking about me and be like, mm. I'd feel smug as hell. I'd be like, good. <laughs> Let me run around in circles in your brain all night. <laughs> like, I don't care. I need that energy, not only in 2023, but 2024. The energy where I can live rent free in people's minds without a care in the world. So I'm channeling all of that. So rounding this out in like a nice little bow, I think the key things that for those of you listening that I really want you to take away is that this isn't a podcast in the sea of podcasts that's just like, just be yourself. Like, because I know how exhausted I feel when I hear that. I'm like, yeah, easy for you to say. Like, there's a natural like kind of (laughs) throw up mechanism in my body where anytime someone says that, my knee-jerk reaction is to be like, but like, what I want you to glean from this episode is, is the fact that you can't afford the cost of not accepting yourself at mm-hmm. this point moving forward. And that journey is going to look different for everyone, right? And and thankfully, you know, we got to witness through this podcast the journey of what that looked like for you and know, knew that that journey not only came from the act of practicing, but really you pulling from your past and being able to look at what, what your life has been up until this point. Radical self-awareness is what I want this episode to be about for you. And what that radical self-awareness can be for all of you can be dollar signs. It can be security. It can be freedom. It can be whatever you need it to be. So rather than stepping away from this episode and feeling like, well, how do I be myself? How do I be myself? How can I radically accept myself to a degree to where I can free myself from the limitations of what other people think of me and allow myself to make what I'm truly capable of making? And if you are someone that struggles with really pulling that out of yourself and that that process of thinking comes easier when talking to someone, I cannot recommend Christina enough to be the facilitator of that conversation. She does it effortlessly. She does it masterfully. And so for those of the listeners that are looking to really dive into this journey for themselves, where can they find you? They can find me on mostly TikTok and Instagram, which are both at Design. Or they can hit me up on my website, which is superlunardesign.com. Anything Super Lunar Design, you can find me. Super Lunar Design. Such a cool name. And I think, too, that when you guys are really thinking about what your ultimate power moves can be for the coming year, for Q4, for 2024, let this be that. I hope you guys got what I got out of this. And I don't know about you, but I'm going to start calling everyone Leafs after this (laughs) in the best way possible. I do want to say one more thing. Yeah, please. I was here so recently and I try not to let go of the awareness that I was in this space. But like, I was listening to podcasts like this where someone's like, yeah, one month I was making $2,000. Next, I was making double like five figures. And I'm just like, I was at the space where I was like, yeah, but that's never going to happen for me. It's and like, yeah, but that's not really actually attainable. And that's not actually like the only thing that was holding her back from that. I'm sure there's so much behind the scenes that I don't know. Ellie knows (laughs) and I'm being like authentic and straightforward, really consistently showing up as myself or this version of myself that I chose is like to be my online personality because it doesn't have to be fully revealing yourself on the internet. True. That is committing to that is the one thing that was the catalyst for sure. And I was there thinking it wasn't going to happen to me as well, thinking it was so unattainable. 
And, and now I'm on the side and I'm still mind blown that it has been attained by myself. And like, so I know how it is to be like, yeah, but like, this is just someone else's story. That's never going to happen to me. But honestly, anyone can, can go through the same process I went through and have similar results because it truly was just finding the version of myself I'm comfortable with putting out there, getting comfortable with putting myself out there so often Mm. and like blinders on for anything that doesn't matter. Ooh. I really hope more than anything, like when people are listening to this podcast, when I started it, I was just like, you know, if I could help people make more money, that'd be great. And you know me, (laughs) like all the, all you listeners that have been here from day one, that's always been what it's been about for me is just like, how can I give you that freedom to make more money? And you just literally got the ticket just there. What could life be for you if you simply just allowed yourself to be and not hold yourself back. And Christina Mm -hmm. is living proof that in less than three months, your reality is completely different. So different. And so if you're needing that help, if you're needing that push, Christina is your girl, hands down. She's so warm. She's so lovely. And she not only is going to be the person that can help you really uncover that, but she's going to be able to help you strategically position your business in a way that showcases all of your core strengths. So for those people that maybe have a hard time seeing that in themselves and maybe don't feel confident, there is not a single greater confidence boost than having someone like her in your court. So this is your sign. Do not wait. Get the help that you're looking for. And she is the perfect person to go to. Christina, I could talk for you for hours. Honestly, this probably isn't going to be the last conversation we have. We're probably going to have more than one if you're cool, if you're cool with that. I'm totally um, cool with that. And we can look forward to having you next time on the podcast. But thank Yay. you so much. And I will let you go. So thank you for having me. This you. was so much fun. Of course. <laughs>